Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Byproduct Podcast. I am your host, Ian Pruckner, and I'm excited to be spending a few minutes together with you, getting better together, because when we get better, things get better. And I'm excited to be joined today by my friend, Skylar Lewis. Skylar, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on. Yeah, excited to be here. Our last conversation, we had so much in alignment. It was a, it was was a, a, a lively conversation. Yeah, it was a lot yeah. of fun. So, so yeah. Skylar is just absolutely killing it right now in so many spaces as a husband, a father, a business leader. Uh, he is the creator of the group Rise Up Kings, which is doing absolutely amazing things. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I'm excited for, for people to be able to hear your mindset on how you started that group, what you guys do there, and some of the founding principles uh, that you're going to talk through. You know, you talk about four Fs. I actually talk about five Fs, and, and they're very similar, right? Faith, family, finance, and fitness. My fifth is future self. Who are you becoming? Mm -hmm. uh, but when I when I saw that that's what you guys were teaching and were about, I'm like, man, this guy, he knows what real winning is, right? Because, hey, look, you win in the money game, but if you lose in the family game, you didn't win, right? Mm -hmm. You made some money, but you're not winning. And so I'm excited to hear about that. I'm excited to hear a little bit about your story and your journey, what you're working on, where you're going, and giving people some of the wisdom that is hard fought through all those years of building the things that you've built, building a successful family, a successful marriage, successful business. And so let's jump in, man. I'm super excited. So Rise Up Kings, tell me about the name. Where did the name come from? Yeah, I was okay. I was praying uh, one day and I had a, a vision of starting a, an experiential event for faith-based entrepreneurs that wanted to level up in their families and in their marriage, uh, across their finances, their fitness, all the four pillars. And so just yeah, prayed on the name, meditated, closed my eyes, and uh, the name came to mind. And I didn't know if it was legit or not. So I went to a buddy and said, hey, I got a couple names. I don't know about this one. What do you think? It sounds a little edgy. I'm not sure about it. And he's like, dude, if it came to you during that prayer, just stick with it. So I've been rolling with it, and it, and it seems to be uh, landing. What so. does it mean to you? What does it mean to the people in the group? What sort of culture has that created? Fantastic. Yeah, I believe um, – a big part of what we do is we're helping men and women and families really step out of a uh, limiting mindset and a limited way of living in their um, in each of the four pillars. Uh, again, you, you mentioned them, faith, family, fitness and finance. And so what it means to be a king for especially the guys that come through our events is uh, uh, there's a couple of things we, we say kings. Uh, when a king falls, the kingdom falls. So really, we're in charge of this kingdom, right? Our community, our family, these things. And what do I mean by in charge is we've been, uh, I believe God's given us, given us this, um, right? This, this, this life to really steward well. Yeah. And so Great we're work. responsible for that. We're responsible for our kids' hearts and their minds. We're responsible for our businesses, our employees. And so how do we run those things? How do we live? Do we live as a, as a king? Or more of as a uh, a victim? Are we are we taking full responsibility over our life, or do we tend to, to have let life kind of push us around? And so kings tend to really live by a uh, a good king, right? There's a lot of of kings that right have really done a poor job leading, and so we're all about calling men to live at a higher level of integrity and love and care. And that, to me, that's what it means to be a king when you truly care for the people that yeah. you are uh, stewarding. And I love that word stewarding because that is probably the most accurate accurate word to describe our roles as leaders, right? Mm -hmm. We are stewards of all the worlds that we're in, our family world, our office world, 
the public world. We, we've been given these opportunities, these people entrusted into our care, and we're to steward them. And what's interesting about the idea of King Schuyler that I love is that there's no higher authority. There's nobody above that, right? And and what does that mean? It means like ultimately we're responsible for those things. Like nobody's coming to your rescue if you're not going to be that that king, if you're not going to step up into that role, there's going to be a void. It's not going to be, it's going to be filled by the world. It's going to be filled by other people's opinions, it's going to be filled by the news media and all the things other people want. And so I really love that idea that it, it is your kingdom and you've got to step into that role. You know, one of the things that um, I always tell people is, is we're children of the king, right? We're an heir to that throne. Yep. And part of that is, you know, there's responsibility that we just went over stewardship but there's also reward uh, being, you know, being a child of the king. It's so interesting because there are so many people who are kings, but yet they're like sharecropping in somebody's field because they don't know yeah. who they are. They haven't yeah. stepped into that calling in their life. They haven't used talked about limitations. They're living in the limit. They're a, they're a king. They're a child of the king next in line, but yet they're living as a commoner in their own kingdom and wondering like, why aren't things working out? Well, cause nobody's driving, the, nobody's driving the car, my man. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just, you're on autopilot and you don't got Tesla. You're in an old Chevy, man. It ain't good, right? <laughs> I, I just, just, just sold my Tesla on that note, right? The, the way, the reason that's so important to me is, uh, it's cause I was living as a peasant, right? Even though I was the heir to the king. Wow. Right. And so I was living as a peasant, meaning I was doing, I was, I was out, uh, I was struggling with lust. I was struggling with porn. I was struggling with uh, making decisions that were out of integrity. I was lying to people. I was, I had a, an ego that was protecting my insecurities. Like I just, I was living as this, uh, I was not living a life of excellence. And so I see yeah. so many people that are struggling and not truly living lives of excellence, which is what I believe we're called to be like Jesus was excellent. And so there's just people that are not, and that was me. And, and, yeah. and so that's why that, that word King actually means so much is because I was living well below that. And as my identity shifted, you talk about identity as my identity shifted. And I started to see myself as that King, as that heir, like, huh, how would an heir act? Right. How, how would someone like that act? Would he be out, uh, partying hard, getting wasted at a bar and then, uh, driving drunk home? Probably not. You know, like how would an heir to the king act? And so as my identity shifted, it completely shifted my behaviors and the way I acted. That's so good. You know, who are you going to be, right? Like, yeah. who are you going to be? What choice are you going to make? And I love that you talked about excellence. You know, in, in uh, my group, The War Room, I talk a lot. Of, we, have, we have five values. One of those values is excellent. We are people of excellence. We don't just do things. We do them extremely well to the very best of our ability. And then we push our abilities and we go further and we deliver more than we promised, faster than we promised in every area of life. And that's easier said than done, right? Like that is, that is a tough thing to live up to sometimes, but it is a fantastic standard set by Jesus himself to, to emulate and, uh, and to work in. So I love that. Let's go back to old Skylar, peasant Skylar. Making these sort of bad choices, li living how most people live, not really aware of the calling on, on his life. How did that Skylar become this one? Yeah, I, I think I think it just stemmed from the way I grew up. I grew up in a town called Hemet, Southern California, a little uh, seven hundred square foot mobile home, and so that that was my identity, kind of growing up. And yeah. so I just, but but and that was my identity, and I had some drive. I had some fire that was inside of me that wanted to be different, that wanted something more. 
And early on, I, 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 I went searching. I started small businesses. I, I did things to really uh, tr try to get out of that, that mold, those associations. And so I eventually found and created some success. I built a couple small little businesses at 20, 21, 22. Uh, however, I, 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 I realized at a certain point that I was doing it more of to prove myself uh, that as opposed to living on purpose. And so like the things yeah. I was doing, I wanted to prove that I was not that guy. I wanted to prove that I could be successful, that I could have the nice house, the nice car. Like that was, that was me trying to prove myself out of my old identity. And it served me to a point until it didn't, until I, I realized that, man, there, there's a, there's a bigger game and I miss, I'm missing the game and the game is yeah. living a life of purpose, uh, through yeah. my business and through, supporting other people and in, in whatever endeavor I'm doing. And so that was a little bit of my journey. And, and there's a lot there, man, a lot of insecurities, struggles, uh, limiting beliefs that kind of I've been working on for the last 30 years, uh, yeah, that's uh, amazing. 20, 20, 26 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It, it, it begs the question, like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Right? Like you can be yeah. doing the right things for reasons that are off base. Right. And, and that won't fulfill you. That won't sustain you. That'll leave you empty tired, ragged, and yet you're doing the right thing. It's just in the wrong heart or the wrong motivation. And I love what you said. It served you for a time. And, and what I love about life and success and leadership is as we grow, our awareness grows and we can sort of rise above that level that we're at or say, hey, you know, this was useful to hear. But that proving myself thing is really driving me crazy. It's keeping me stuck. And so what got me here isn't going to be what gets me there. I've got to elevate the level of my why, I've got to elevate what I'm actually working for, right? Instead of trying to prove somebody wrong, maybe I need to be stepping into, you know, serving other people with the path that I've been on. And it's just a really different way to approach the same thing, but it leaves you empowered and energetic and focused versus empty and alone and scared and nervous and all of those things. Not that you don't still feel them, but mm -hmm. when you're operating out of that different place, it's just a much more sustainable process is what I found. So let's talk about the four F's because I love these. It's something I've tried to live my life by it. And, and really what I try to tell people, Skylar, is look, if these are the four most important areas of your life, period, finished, done, end of story. I don't care who you are, where you come from. If you don't get these things right, it's going to be a problem at some point in your life, probably a large problem. And if you don't get one of them right, it may be an eternal problem, right? Mm -hmm. So like this may be a problem that never ends. Talk to me about, about what these four pillars mean to you. Let's start with faith. You know, where does that fit? Because there are people watching this right now who probably wouldn't describe themselves as people of faith or religious people, you know, that they've got their own set of beliefs or lack thereof. You know, why is that important to you? What has that done in your life and in the lives of the people that you help lead and coach? Yeah, I grew up uh, in a pretty uh, hypocritical household. My mom was, uh, she she loved Jesus, but was completely uh, broken. So struggled with alcohol, drugs, addictions, uh, limiting uh, just mindsets, very low level mindsets. And so I saw that and I saw her talk about God and then go get wasted and, and, and just do all these things that were just ineffective in our life. And so I thought, you know what, if that's Christianity, eh, I'm kind of good. And so I, I kind of walked away, I still believed in God, but I, I walked away for a little while because I didn't like that level of hypocrisy. And I didn't, and I saw myself doing that, right? I'd go to church, carrying my Bible or not church school, carrying my Bible. 
And then I would go, right. I would, I would go try to get girls to, to do stuff. And I'm like, man, this is not looking good. I'm making God look bad actually right now, you know? So I'm like, okay. So I, I kind of separated myself from him for a while and said, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention you too much, right? Because of just this, this uh, overly religious household and just some of this hypocrisy and, and the way I was showing up. And so I walked away, but then started spending, uh, at a, I got to a certain point, I met my wife and I'm like, you know what? God really, I've sought out this success, life of success. And when you get to the top in life, the only, the only thing left is to jump, right? When you're at the top and you have everything you have and everything you need, there's nothing else to do. Like you just got to go jump. There's nowhere else to climb. When you climb those mountains, there's, you get to this place. And so I didn't want to be that guy at the top and then not having a purpose and really living uh, for something bigger than myself. And so I reconnected with God. Me and Jessica started going to church. And man, it's become a, a key part of our foundation uh, of faith. And, and faith is so powerful, right? Because you can have faith in a lot of things. We have faith in God, but we also have faith that uh, that that he's going to take care of us. There's a, lot, there's a lot of promises that come from being yeah. a, a man or a woman of faith and a lot of peace that comes from that. And I've I've just gained so much peace on my journey because business is chaotic, man. It is. There's a lot of dark. There's a lot of sleepless nights. There's some darkness in there. And I, I have this overwhelming peace throughout this craziness called life. And I, I uh, attribute that to my relationship with Christ. That is so good. You know, so many people have asked me along the way, like, like with all the garbage you've been through, like, how did yeah. you stay so positive and so focused for so long? And the answer is really clear. I believe with everything inside me that all things were working to my good, yeah. that yeah. God was going to take all those things that were meant to destroy me, distract me and my purpose and was not only going to get me through them, but it was going to bring me out better, stronger and faster than I was before. And so when you approach challenges with that mindset, you're not deterred by them. You're not like, oh, maybe God doesn't want me to do this. It's what is God going to get me through this? Mm -hmm. What is God going to teach me through this? What level is he preparing me for? What door is he going to open? And it's a hope. And hope means more than being hopeful. It's a, a real hope that on the other side of this trial, this challenge, this struggle, that there is something good waiting for you. And that's one of God's promises, right? And you mentioned yeah. many promises. And there are so many of these. I really struggle to understand how somebody makes it long term in a substantial way without that foundation. Yeah. Right? And, and, and also staying married too, right? Because marriage is tough, if, if especially in today's culture. If you don't have a foundation of faith, right? Like we can turn back to the Bible. And if, if, I, if I don't have that foundation of faith, what morals am I going off of, right? So if I marry somebody, what's morally right or wrong? And who says those? Because the morals are shifting in our culture. So is it wrong to cheat? Well, says says who? Like, and so as being married and having that center of faith is this the central place we can always go back to. And hey, what does the Bible say? Okay, that that's our guiding compass. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, if you don't have that, I don't even know how, like what, where no. people are getting their, their moral belief systems from if they don't have, right, some central source like the Bible. So, so yeah. we, do, um, we do a marriage retreat for entrepreneurs every year. And, yes. um, and one of the concepts that we teach is, is this triangulation. So imagine God out here in the center and I'm over here and my wife's over here, wherever we might be, it could, we could be anywhere around that point. But if I'm moving closer to God here in the center point, and she's over here and she's moving closer to God. By default, no matter where we are today, we will be closer tomorrow than we were today because we're both 
we're both um, encircling this same point. No matter where life takes, no matter what's going on, as long as that center is Jesus, we'll always find our way back to that place of closeness. And it's a really interesting thing to understand. But to your point, right, like when you don't have that center point, what stops this person from wandering <laughs> off this way and this one from wandering off this way and say, what the heck happened? Yeah. It, what's funny is my uh, our, our marriage counselor before we before we got married or premarital counseling gave us that illustration. And it okay. was profound. It was profound for us. So we, we realized as we grow closer to Christ that he actually pulls us and he used it in a little bit of a different context. But yeah, speaking of that, that was, well, I have a whole story around, uh, yeah, premarital counseling. If anybody's looking to get married, man, definitely go to premarital counseling. It's the best thing you could ever do. Well, to be real, I had a, I had made a, a pretty strong commitment. And this is, this is where I talk about my lack of integrity. And I would say maturity as a man, uh, before we got married, I'd made a big deal and committed to Jessica that like, Hey, I'm going to be your boyfriend. You're going to be my girlfriend. And like, I made a huge deal out of it. I'm committed to you. We're exclusive. And so she, her father had left her uh, when she was younger. And so she yeah. had some father wounds. And uh, I was just an immature guy thinking I was doing the right thing. I had a lot of confidence, but it was a false confidence. And so I ended up uh, making this big deal. And then a couple months later, I ended, I ended up cheating on her. So I went and cheated on her with my ex-girlfriend. Big freaking deal. Never told her though. So never told her. Then we're doing this marital counseling. And the guy says, okay, so here's the deal. You get one opportunity before you get married to share everything that you've done. Otherwise, if you do not share that and you do not be authentic with what you've done, who you are, your past, that will take up energy in your marriage and your life for the rest of your life. You may not be the husband or the wife that you're capable of being. If you don't bring the skeleton out of the closet, if you don't uh, create a relationship of transparency, that that secret will take energy and will use energy in your life. And so as soon as I heard that, obviously, man, fire started kind of raging in my stomach and I realized, okay, crap, I don't want to deprive Jessica. If this is true, right, I don't want to deprive Jessica of the husband that I can be. And I don't want to live with that guilt either. Uh, and so I decided to tell her. So I ended up having the conversation with her and just being real and uh, slept on the couch. We almost did not get married. Mm -hmm. And she had just some grace. And we luckily had a great connection where we ended up getting and, and recommitting to each other, got married. And it's been a painful part of our marriage for many years, but it's also brought so much fruit and, and intimacy and connection and transparency. And then we've also been able to help uh, hundreds and hundreds of couples through that story too. Yeah. So it's that it's kind of like what we talk about, right? God works out everything for the good. Uh, there's some pain there, but now the good is we've been able to help a lot of other people and become healed from that yeah. journey. Yeah, the pain had a purpose. Yeah, right? it wasn't just pain for pain's yeah. sake. It was painful, but there were other people's stories attached to yours, and you had to go through that and grow through that in order to be somebody that was trustworthy. To, mm -hmm. to be able to speak into the lives of other people in those situations. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's tough, right? Like when you're dealing with these pain, especially a pain that you chose, right? You could have yep. hidden or yep. you put it out on the table. You decide to man up, put it out on the table, own the consequences, go through some of that pain. But out of that pain comes a purpose. Out of that pain comes a position in your life that allows you to speak into the lives of other people. Now, that's a really, really amazing, amazing thing. Talk to me a little bit about um, about fitness, finance, like where do those pillars fall? Why are they important? 
Yeah, so f- all, all of these are critical, right? And we kind of have them lined up in the order, right? So faith, family, and then fitness is real critical. Fitness happens to be one of the few things that you can do as a human being that has the most benefits, right? I do this at my events and seminars. I say, hey, what are the benefits that come from exercise? And guys are right. Improved cardiovascular system, confidence. Uh, I mean, you could go on. The list is gigantic from, from 30 minutes of workout a day. You get the biggest list of benefits of almost anything you could ever do. And so why is it that we don't do it? Why is it that we're not exercising daily and, and, and really committing to that if, if it really does make our lives better? And so uh, fitness is a key component. And we call this the four pillars to power because what happens is, is if you do these four pillars and you invest in these on a daily basis, we actually have an app, we track it every single day if you're working on these things, uh, you will show up with more power every day. More yeah. guaranteed more power if you're making these wins and investing in your marriage every day, your faith, your fitness, and your finances, like doing this daily. And, and so it's a critical, and it's also, it's also your, uh, uh, it's also your baseline. So what happens is I, I see these people end up, right? We see successful people, uh, uh, comedians. We see people, uh, in entertainment business that create a ton of success and they always hit the top and then they crash and burn. Now, the thing is, it, what, what's cool is with a good routine and a good foundation, if you have this foundation as you create success, yeah. like it will, it will be, it'll, it'll, it's, it's a stop. It's a stop loss. It, it, it's the, it prevents you from actually going yeah. too far. You fall back to the habits. 100%. Positive. So, yep. Then you don't have real far to fall. Totally. So that's been, that's been huge for me is if I, if I'm doing these regularly, I have this foundation. I'm not going to, I'm going to drop much i'm not going to drop as far as other people would drop when they have a down season in their life so i'm keeping this thing for the rest of my life so fitness is a key component of those four pillars yeah i love that i think that's great and and fitness is something you can't buy you can't hire a guy to work out for you (laughs) you might hey you might go and get some liposuction and all this or whatever you do but but if you don't take care of those habits eventually you'll be right back to who and what you were before right Mm -hmm. and so to me fitness is unique and the fact that there are no shortcuts, you must pay the price. And the price is the prize in my, in my uh, mm. understanding of fitness, right? Because ultimately, I like that. You, you ask the question, why don't we do it? And, and the answer is probably many fold for different people. But at the foundation, it's because it's hard mm-hmm. and unpleasant at first. There, there is a cost to doing it. We don't like it. And yet that is why it is so important because when you have a fitness routine every day, you train your mind to force your body into submission to do hard things. Mm. And life is hard sometimes. Situations are hard. Relationships are hard. They're messy. Business is hard. It's messy. And when we're in the habit daily of forcing mind over matter, I am going to choose this path of pain because it benefits me. When we choose that choice daily on the small things, when we're faced with the big one, how am I going to react? What am I going to do? Am I going to tell her or am I going to hold it inside? How am I going to act on this business? Am I going to stand for my values or am I going to cave it? When you have to make the big choice to do the hard thing, but the right thing, you've been prepared every day because you've owned that choice physically mm-hmm. for so long. So I love that. I think it's a key. Yeah. And for me, it's trigger habit. I don't know about you. But but as my fitness goes, so goes everything else yeah. in my life. Yeah, key habit. And I'm, I'm wearing the shirt, pain is the path. And it's one of the things we say at our events, right? The, doing the hard things. 
right? Pain is the path. So I was working out with my son today. Uh, he's uh, uh, just turned 11, actually. He just started school. And so he wants to work out with me in the morning. And so he, he tried to bail out on one of his workouts. We were about to be done. He had uh, two, re- two sets left in his uh, bench press. Uh, and I'm, I'm building this habit in him, him early of exercise. And so he, he decided he sat over. And I, I do a little mentoring session after each workout where I'll, we'll read the Bible, a verse, and then I'll just kind of mentor him for, for five, 10 minutes. He's like, all right, dad, it's time to do our mentoring. And I said, uh, wait a second, dude. Like, how come you didn't finish uh, your workout? And he, he didn't want to. He's like, I said, and so we got clear, like it was because it was hard. He didn't want to finish it. And he would, he, and, and, and the thing is, if we don't finish what we know we should be doing, but it builds that habit yeah. of quitting. And so he was like, I was not about to let that habit start to take, take root in his life. And so Man, doing the hard things on a regular basis is just like you mentioned, so powerful for, uh, it's a critical part of success because success is not easy. It, it takes, yeah. it's many difficult decisions and hard work to get to the place. Like to, you're a successful guy, dude. To get where you got was a lot, a lot of difficult, hard conversations and hard work. I mean, tremendous. And I don't know if you've seen this or not. This is just sort of, sort of irking me. Well, let's talk about it real quick. Talking about the pain is the path. You know, I, I just see, this sort of shift. Um, and, and I'm a big fan of like, don't be a hardaholic and make things harder for yourself than it needs to be, right? Like sometimes we're our own worst enemy. We make bad choices. We have poor habits. We don't take care of our thinking and things are hard because we're ill-equipped because of that. But you know, there, there's like this movement, like this anti-grind, anti-work ethic, like things should just be easy and they should just flow and they should be effortless and all these things. And that's just total garbage. Mm-hmm. Like anything mm-hmm. in life that is good is hard at some point, right? I mean, what are your thoughts? Have you noticed this? I've just seen it everywhere. Like these people like, uh, you know, out here preaching this message of ease and everything should be simple and, and you know, don't stress out and don't work so hard and don't do those things. And it's like, well, I don't know where you're going to get. You might have a little bit of success for a little while, but resistance is what creates the strength. Yeah, you don't go through those hard things when real hard things happen. You are ill prepared for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard that story with the uh, tree that was placed in the silo. So they they ended up having a, they they put they wanted to see if a tree could grow within in like a perfect environment. And so they planted this tree in this perfect environment. They put a dome around it where there was no wind. There was no wind and no outside. Uh, and it was it and what ended up happening. Over over years, that that tree uh, be, grew, and it ended up uh, toppling over and having some major issues because there's something that happens when a tree grows. Oh, the, I'm drawing a blank, but there's a certain kind of bark that is built from the wind and the resistance strengthening the tree to be strong enough to hold the entire tree up. And so when it didn't have that wind, that resistance, that stress, when it oh, it's called stress wood. When it didn't have the stress, it could not develop the appropriate wood to sustain itself long term. And so mm. stress is totally necessary. Stress. And so if I, when I see people that don't have any stress, they're not able to handle the difficult things in life. They, they topple over. And so, yeah, I, I really am a big fan of doing the hard things, of pain, of stepping into the pain. Uh, Jesus didn't come to search for a life of comfort. Man, yep. he was leaning into the pain on a regular basis and the difficulties. He was not searching out comfort. And we tend to do that, right? Well, I, I want to hit this retirement age. I get it. And 
you're not going to be happy if there's no stress and nothing exciting and no challenges in life. I mean, you may, but like that's not you're not going to become the best version of yourself uh, sitting on a, on a, a beach chair for an entire year in Hawaii or on the Bahamas. So uh, I, I tend to be yeah, and I, I could go on the end. Then you know, I could move over to the one side of the pendulum, but and, and I believe in rest. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I took a month off to go to Greece uh, like nine months ago. We just spent a month in Japan. Uh, two months ago. So I'm a huge fan of rest also and having fun and enjoying life. So yeah. it's a combination of working hard, grinding, becoming the version that you want to become and then enjoying life at the same time. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I agree with you 100%, right? It's it's like a critical mass, that grind and that toughness that you you learn through the hard things is sort of like your prerequisite to, to get to these places where then you need to take some of that rest. You need to enjoy what you built because mm -hmm. if you don't ever get off that treadmill, life's going to be over pretty quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. And you got to enjoy that a, a little bit along the way. Talk to me about the financial piece. Why money? Money's not everything, Skylar. Money's not that important. Right. Okay. It's not, doesn't make the world go round. What, what, why money? Yeah. Well, I think uh, I, I feel well. Money's a resource, and I was I was listening to somebody the other day, and they were. I used to I used to believe money was neutral, right? Money was neutral. It just makes you more of who you are. Was what I used to say. But then there's actually a Bible verse in Genesis two that said, "In God, and there was money in the land, and God said it was good. There was gold in the land, and God said it was good." So it got me thinking, like, wow, is money actually quote unquote like a good thing? Because I'm like, you know, it's neutral. It's a tool. But I'm like, well, maybe it's actually a blessing and designed to be a good thing. And so I'm a big believer in uh, in, in be having an abundant mindset around money. I grew up, my mom had a scarcity mindset around money. She believed there was not enough and greedy people tend, tended to be the ones that had the most. And money has been the most, money, financial resources have been the most beautiful resource to me, uh, a blessing to me and the people around me. So my mindset on it is, and I've kind of, I think I shared this with you before, is I believe God does want people to be wealthy and have an abundance, but not at the cost of their character and their faith. There so you if go. you're already a Christian, right, they say, um, right, the Bible says it's more difficult for a wealthy man to, to enter heaven than, than a camel through the eye of a needle. Uh, and that may be true for, that may be true for a non-Christian, a non-believer, Right. Non-believers may not be willing to give up significant wealth to follow Christ. Like, I get it. That's probably accurate. Uh, but a believer, like, should we have money or should we not have money? Well, I believe money is a powerful tool for the kingdom. And I believe God would want uh, kingdom-minded people to have the wealth as opposed to the current version, which we have a lot of, of people that have some significant wealth in our current culture, right? The entertainment industry that are completely uh, destroying the minds and the hearts of our kids. So yeah. I would rather see more kingdom people have, and I believe God wants that, but not if we have too tight of a grip on it. So, yeah. so many people have a tight grip on money and you can't have a tight grip on money and God like, so I've learned, I've learned to have a loose a loose grip on money where even my house, right? We have a beautiful house out here in Dallas, my cars, my, I have a loose grip. If God decides to, to take it away, I'm cool. Like I'm comfortable. Like I'm not, I'm not holding on to it. Like it's this, and the same true is, is the same is true with the fear of losing money, right? Sure. So some people have a fear of not having enough money and they're holding on to that. So you can have the greed and you could have the fear. Both of them are idols and both of them 
my, my, my belief, my belief is if I hold too tightly on the money, God's going to be like, okay, all right, Skylar, you got too tight of a grip on that. I'm just going to take that stuff away from you. We're going to scoot it out here. So I'm like, Lord, Hey God, I got no grip on this stuff. I'm right here. You could take it if you want. And I, he's really blessed that mindset. I believe that I've had of a loose grip. Yeah, that's really good. You know, God doesn't mind you having money as long as money doesn't have you. Right? 100%. And, you know, I'm yeah. going to read this here because I, I went to look at it. You know, one of the, the verses in the Bible that a lot of people use to champion sort of lack, you know, and scarcity mindset is, you know, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah. And, and we we hear that money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say that the love of money, but but there's a second part to that verse, right? It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, have erred from the faith or have left the faith, right? And, and what is God saying there? They loved money more than God. Well, God is real particular about being in first place in our lives, right? And so you could really substitute in money with anything, relationships, prestige, influence, titles, um, anything that's out of place, out mm -hmm. of priority, can sort of have that same thing. It's not just money. There's nothing special about money in that verse. It's the fact that this thing has put itself above God in our lives. And when that happens, we're heading for disaster. And so I think that that's really, really wise. Talk to me. Go ahead. And, and that's, and that there's an important, uh, important part here, right? It, so if we keep God first, can you keep God first and still have significant wealth? Yeah. Well, Yes, and it requires some strategy also. And that's where coaches come into play. That's where personal growth, that's where your ma right, masterminds, you have a mastermind that you run. That's where those things come into play is because if you can be more effective at creating wealth and be more effective starting with your mindsets and then also tools and strategies, then you you can. it's very easy then to keep God number one and you're just utilizing some amazing strategies that he's blessing. And then all of a sudden your wealth is just... It, is, is increasing significantly. So you can easily keep God number one and have money be over here on the side as a tool, as a resource, not as your idol. Absolutely. I love it. Mm -hmm. Skylar, listen, it's been an amazing chat so far. Uh, talk to me about where people can connect with you. Where can they find more information? How can they get connected with Rise Up Kings? How can they get your book? How can they just connect with you in general and follow what's going on in your life? Great. Yeah, I have a book called The Two-Day CEO, kind of a lot of those strategies, right? How do you scale and grow a company? Uh, a lot of, a lot of some pretty cool storylines in there. So I have that book, The Two-Day CEO, you can go to .com or on Amazon. And then uh, and then also riseupkings.com. So if anybody's looking to go to a faith-based personal development uh, experience, like boot camp is pretty powerful. Kind of, so thousands of people now go through that event or a series of events. And then also just my social media. Uh, Skylar Lewis, S-K-Y-L-A-R Lewis. Okay, fantastic. Well, guys, listen, take a few minutes, do it now. Don't wait, get on Instagram, get on Facebook, get on TikTok, go follow, follow Skylar. Take a look at the websites. And if you felt like, hey man, I resonate with this, I'm looking for that faith-based growth community, I would absolutely recommend you check out Rise Up Kings. What Skylar doing is, doing is amazing. And um, Skylar, thanks for your time today, brother. I really appreciate your friendship, your leadership, what you're doing, how you're doing it, who you are and what you're about. And it's always great spending some time with you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Until next time, we'll see you soon.